Welcome to the Guernsey Press Politics Podcast. I'm Simon Delarue and with me is Matt Fallais and we've just been uh, sitting in and listening to the debate on the second day of this March States meeting. And uh, yesterday, Matt, you were saying that uh, Deputy Lester Carapel was winning a good deal of support for his suggestion that states' properties should be included in new rules that uh, the Development and Planning Authority were uh, wanting to introduce. Uh, on sorting out eyesore properties and uh, your uh, assessment was quite accurate. They turned out by just one vote that he succeeded in his amendment. Yeah, he did. It was strange in a way that debate this morning because I, I got the sense as the debate wore on that it was less likely that the amendment would succeed. And and as you say, he he narrowly got it through the states. And then we wondered whether the propositions from the DPA as amended might lose because the DPA had fought very hard against uh, Deputy Kerapol's amendment and might just walk away from their proposals and ask the states to reject them. Uh, But in fact, in the end, the the proposals were carried. So the outcome is that uh, there will be a new law drafted which will give the Development and Planning Authority powers to require landowners to deal with derelict or unsightly properties. Uh, Those provisions will include states-owned land, which the Development and Planning Authority didn't want included, and will also, um, but will exclude residential properties, which was Deputy Inder's amendment, which had been dealt with the previous day. Uh, So so that's the outcome of the debate, although then um, you spoke to Deputy Oliver after the debate, and she had a slightly different take, didn't she, on how uh, it might end up. Well, yeah, I mean, I did say to her that, you know, given her opposition to the inclusion of uh, states' uh, uh, properties uh, in this in these new powers, um, how would she uh, seek to accommodate that within the work of uh, the, the, the planners? Uh, would that be a challenge that uh, she felt she could overcome? And she said, um, well, the, um, the, the way it's going to work out really is that the planners will come to them with certain uh, properties that they want to uh, progress upon. Um, and then it will be up to the committee to decide which ones uh, to take further. The, the implication of that appeared to be that uh, w- whatever the whatever properties are included within the scope of the legislation, ultimately it's going to be up to the committee to decide whether it actually wants to take that action. Of course, um, this is not the only DPA committee that will exist, and another DPA committee might take a different view you know, in the future. So it's, um, it's in- it'll be interesting to see how all of that sort of plays out in future. But uh, that was an interesting start to the day, and uh, yeah, the, the victor of that, you might say, was Deputy Carapel, who's just walked past us, uh, now making his way out of here with a, a smile on his face. Yeah, and another interesting aspect of that debate was that Deputy Taylor... Uh, Andrew Taylor um, voted against and spoke against um, his own committee's proposals. So the DPA was split uh, on on the unsightly properties um, policy letter. Now, um, of course, there has been this uh, ongoing chaos, really, in the Development and Planning Authority about its vice presidency, with the president wanting to, to oust her vice president, Deputy Taylor, and replace him with Deputy John Dyke which earlier this week uh, was brought to a conclusion and, and has failed. So Deputy Taylor remains vice president. Uh, but it was interesting that they then immediately launched into this debate on, on uh, not exactly a flagship policy letter, but something that they were taking to the states. And the committee was divided with Deputy Taylor in, in a minority of one. 
And there, there have been some rumblings uh, around the states today that the, the Development and Planning Authority, which I think almost certainly would have faced at least a motion of censure, if not a motion of no confidence, if it had not sorted out its vice presidency problem earlier this week, actually might still face such a motion because there is quite a lot of um, concern around the states that this matter was allowed to drag on for, for several weeks. Um, so uh, it's an interesting time, I think, for the Development and Planning Authority, and I'm not sure that they're going to be able to reconcile their differences which have emerged in recent weeks uh, and get on with their quite heavy agenda in the way that, um, that, that some members hope they will. So that will be, a, I think, a, an interesting committee to watch over the next few months. But uh, certainly no suggestion that it was the rift that had uh, caused Deputy Taylor to see the inclusion of states' properties as uh, a, the, the right way to go. Although his vote in favour of the uh, Deputy Carapel amendment uh, did prove crucial because uh, it was an 1817 result in favour of, of that. Um, the final result, though, of the amended propositions was 24 in favour and 12 against, so it went through comfortably in the end. It's worth pointing out that uh, when I did speak to Deputy Oliver at lunchtime, um, she was uh, quite keen to point out that of um, even more significance to her than the decision on that today was the previous decision yesterday um, of um, expanding greatly the list of exemptions and um, she said that that would actually free up a lot of time for the planning officers and enable them to take on board this extra work that they're going to need to do for what was decided today so that was that was certainly interesting uh, perspective to hear from her um, then the next thing that we uh, heard today was the um, the analysis of the Guernsey post accounts map Yes, yeah, so these were the annual accounts for the year ending the 31st of March 2022. So they'd been much delayed and deferred. Uh, so there, there was no outcome. I mean, the states had no choice really but to accept the accounts. They were a, a record of events already happened. Uh, there was an interesting aspect to this debate, though. Deputy Hellier, the, the uh, Policy and Resources Committee's Treasury lead, uh, made the point, not for the first time, that he wants to see greater transparency in directors' remuneration of states-owned companies, um, including executive directors, so uh, senior executive um, employees of, of the uh, states-owned companies having their salaries and any bonuses made public. And um, Deputy Peter Roffey, the president of the States Trading Supervisory Board, which oversees states-owned companies as the shareholder, effectively, uh, came back and, and, and said, actually, there is going to be a move towards greater transparency, perhaps not with individuals' pay listed publicly, but um, banded in the way that senior states officers' pay is made public. Um, so I think D Deputy Hellier will probably think he, he has won a small victory for his uh, campaign to, to move towards a greater transparency of, of pay at um, states-owned utilities and, and other companies. Uh, but other than that, that, that debate um, passed you know, without any significant decision made at the end of it. And then the states moved on to debating um, Deputy David Delisle's proposal to ban all uses of 
glyphosate or, or, or pesticides or herbicides containing glyphosate. So it's been an eclectic mix of issues considered by the states today. Yeah, absolutely. And they, uh, they are well into that debate now. Um, glyphosate is this chemical used in products such as Roundup and Weedol. Um, it is considered a poisonous substance. The um, exemption allowing it to be sold was uh, allowed to lapse last year, meaning that uh, retail sales were no longer permitted uh, from October and you weren't allowed to have any of it in your possession as a gardener uh, beyond December. However, about 100 uh, professional or commercial users uh, locally are still allowed to go on using it and this is what Deputy Delisle is wanting to stop. Um, Deputy Prow was one, for example, he's one of the seven uh, recorons, signatories to the Riquette, uh, who, who said, uh, well, it's either dangerous or it isn't. There seems to be an anomaly here. We need to, we need to ban it. And uh, there are two committee presidents and indeed two members of Policy and Resources who are signatories to this Riquette. So a few big hitters there, if you like. Um, but uh, the argument against this, uh, from notably from deputies Peter Roffey and Lindsay de Summeray, uh, Peter Roffey actually uh, responsible for Guernsey Water through STSB and responsible for the Health and Safety Executive through uh, ESS and therefore sort of uh, both feet in the, in the camp of what's uh, being proposed to do to deal with this uh, glyphosate problem at the moment. They were both arguing that actually um, let's not go off a cliff edge by banning it outright and driving um, people to use alternative chemicals which might actually turn out to be much more dangerous if you're going to go down that route then ban all pesticides entirely they argued uh, instead they argued that a phased and um, proportionate approach was already being taken um, several um, uh, recommendations have already been made to use alternative methods and um, analysis was being made of water courses um, all the time to see what the retail ban what the effect of the retail ban will have been in the meantime yeah i mean I, I, it seems the most likely outcome of the raquette is that it will lose although it is as you say it is notable that there are some senior members uh, who, who have signed it and are supporting it um, so I'm, I'm not certain it will lose but i i think it it, it looks more likely than not that it will lose uh, and this could well end up being another issue where Deputy Dalal champions an uh, environmentally progressive uh, initiative. Uh, initially it loses, but then a few years later he looks ahead of his time. I think it's really, it is a question of timing. I don't think any states member is arguing that they're in favour of the use of glyphosate. I think what some are saying is um, ultimately it will probably be banned because it is hazardous. But if we ban it prematurely, uh, then uh, potentially um, users will have to use even more um, uh, undesirable chemicals, and so the net effect will be a negative, uh, you know, at least in the short term. It's quite an interesting debate, but I, I think Deputy Dalal is really up against it to get his raquette through. This is, of course, the second time he's tried because he did have a similar raquette in the previous states. And it's probably worth pointing out because there, there will be some uh, seemingly um, contradictory uh, statistics put out there um, that um, on the one hand uh, there are um, readings that have been taken from for example the Vale Pond or the Marais Stream showing uh, many times the recommended safe level, 30 times uh, more concentrated uh, this glyphosate chemical within the Vale Pond than, it should, than is allowable. Um, on the other hand, 100% uh, uh, compliance of 
of water supply from Guernsey Water um, when it comes to safe readings, and that's simply because Guernsey Water um, is able to and has to um, rejig its kind of um, uh, extraction of water for supply from various sources in order to, to ensure that those areas that are affected uh, don't end up in the water supply. So that, that is the explanation for that uh, apparent anomaly. Uh, and we will continue with glyphosate uh, tomorrow. I suspect it may well take up most of the morning uh, tomorrow before we uh, move on to the state's uh, strategic housing indicator. And I think that's pretty much all that we have uh, for you tomorrow. So uh, if you come back here, we'll have a roundup of day three for you then. But for now, bye-bye. Good night.